recorded Hideaway Studios, Hemlock, Michigan. Shout out my dude, Kyle Mayer, C-Town, Thick of Steve's on the intro. You're chilling with Mr. J. is chilling with Mr. J. I'm Mr. J. With going from where I thought I always wanted to be, um, with the biggest job to date for Mr. J's catering, and booked up for all of 2020 pretty much, to basically two months of postponements and cancellations. It's hard. So with a lot of time on my hands, and also thinking how the fuck did I end up here? I just started talking into my laptop about my food service career, air quotes. I write some feelings, I speak some feelings, and then I edit some feelings into some sort of podcast situation. I know the haters are going to hate and throw some shade. I don't really care. I obviously want you to listen, but if you don't, I don't really care. Listening is your choice, and that's okay. I would appreciate it for some support, just to like and share if you don't want to listen. Maybe someone will, maybe not. Either way, it's good promotion. Kind of using the same strategy I used to start my catering business here. Um, I'm just going to promote and promote and promote and let people know who I really am, what I'm really about. And then as they can go, they can watch me grow along the way. Just like as a caterer, they can watch me now grow as a podcaster or whatever. I do know that as long as I stay positive and I just keep going forward, that eventually people will want to come chill and talk about things in and out of reality and have a little fun. These next two episodes of Chillin' with Mr. J, I'm calling Idiot to Experience Part 1 and 2. It is the tale of my food service journey best remembered by me. I hope you enjoy, and I hope you do like and share and comment wherever you socialize on the World Wide Web. You can find this podcast on Podbean, SoundCloud, and Apple. You can like Mr. J's Catering on Facebook. And as always, I encourage you to follow at chillin underscore with underscore Mr. Underscore J on Instagram. That's chillin with Mr. J and all the fucking underscores on Instagram. And now, without further anticipation, we'll put a log on the fire and we'll enjoy Idiot to Experienced Part 1. I'd be lying if I said I always wanted to be a chef. I'd also be lying if I said I thought I was even a chef at all. People pay a lot of money to learn all that science and shit. I'm just an idiot who taught myself. I cooked a lot of horrible meals for practice, trial and error, and a lot of jobs. My food service journey started without me really even knowing it did. I just dropped out of college. I had just turned 19 and I didn't know what the fuck was in store. Obviously, my dad and my mom was upset, but everybody involved knew that was the probable outcome. School and learning that way was never for me. Um, It just wasn't something, I don't know, I just didn't care, pay attention, couldn't grasp, whatever. I just couldn't take sitting and being told and learning something. I needed to be doing something. I didn't know that, and I just lashed out back then, but whatever. I needed cash, and I needed out of the house. I know my Aunt Beth got me my first job, shout out, and I'm pretty sure that she reached out to me because she knew 
situation. That type of work was never really thought until she mentioned being a server. Turns out being an energetic, hustling server can make you bank, at least for 19 years old. $100, $200 a shift. Sometimes once I started bartending banquets and closing the floor, even more. So I was making cash and moved out on my own. I didn't think that I should ever save for a portfolio or think about my future. I just thought, fuck yeah, let's party. I always did usually do just live in the moment. I was 19, paying rent, had money to buy weed and beer. I had a lot of older friends at work, so drinking in a bar after a shift was very common. Then one day you go in for shift and checks start bouncing, servers are pissed, shit like that. I honestly didn't know what even that meant, checks bouncing like that, but I knew it wasn't good. Wasn't too upset, the constant late nights and the constant fun was taking a toll. Money was good, I guess, for what I needed, but the parents were bugging me to find a career and look for a future and all that. And I thought the same thing, I just didn't realize that I could have been in my future at the time. So I decided to try construction. I had friends in the business and it sounded fun to hang out all day with friends and get paid for it. It was, and we had a blast, man, smoking weed on the way to work, drinking beer at lunch, partying after. But after a few years of it, it was not something I could see myself doing forever as far as my body just taking the punishment, or I didn't want my body to take the punishment, I guess. I probably could handle it, but I didn't want to handle it. Um, living with my mom at the time, I think, um, I bounced around for a minute, crashing all over, so sometimes where I'm staying and time frames and what I was doing is a little blurry. But I know it was her that said, you should get back into serving. At least you had some fun. Well, she made point. I'm pretty sure I said something like, um, I don't want to be a career waitress. I was always so concerned with what people thought of me, and I could never figure out why. If you just focus on yourself, shit's just so much better. But it did make me think restaurants wouldn't be bad, though. At this time, mostly just for meeting some girls, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, and money, of course. And at the time, I could not find a good serving job anywhere. That, you know, I found jobs, but they sucked. No money, standing around, wasn't even worth being there. Um, so I bounced around from shitty spot to shitty spot, not making any money and not meeting any girls. Sad face. Sorry, honey. I had the great idea of going to culinary school, becoming a chef, getting in a good restaurant, making money, living in a big city. <laughs> Man, what a fool. I hardly cooked anything in my life at this point other than stepping in on the line, usually because I was the only dude server and just did it. Hell, fancy family dinner night as a kid was usually some Burger King Whoppers or a box of nachos from Big Bill's. There wasn't much real cooking or stuff like that. I mean, steaks on the grill and some fish fries and stuff, but not much cooking in the house. So I looked into it and going to Chicago, Arizona, Cali, wherever, man, it sounded awesome. Then I seen how much it cost. Holy shit. I couldn't believe it. I asked anyone in my family that I thought maybe could co-sign for a loan for me. <laughs> I mean, thinking that someone might. I'm smartly, obviously, nobody did. I would have never made it either. It's not just flashy cooking and get a hat and start cooking. Too much book stuff. I found, you know, looking back later. But it did piss me off. I was mostly pissed because I was thinking, fuck, even my family doesn't think I'm worth shit. 
just feeling sorry for myself, you know. Probably an overreaction at the time. But like I said, I was just angry in my early 20s. I felt defeated for sure. I was living in my grandma's basement at the time, which I do know, which doesn't make it sound much better. Thankfully, I was because her words of to hell with everybody, honey, you just do what makes you happy. It sounds corny, but it worked. I somewhat got my shit together to get out and learn to cook on my own, I guess. Put apps in everywhere. And with no experience, it was tough. So I took what I learned from the back of the house while working in the front of the house. And I just beefed my resume up a little bit and talked my way into a line cooking job. Ended up at Big Boy. Shouldn't sound so excited, but I was told we went with experience several times. So it was a win. After a couple months at Big Boy, I learned showing up for shifts and hustling will get you more hours. I learned that more hours get more dollars. And after a couple more months of proving I can just cook eggs without breaking them and wasting them, um, I was the main breakfast guy. Like some kind of weird assistant manager title, but I think that was just to keep me happy. Not making a whole lot more money, but definitely victory after so many defeats. During this time, I reconnected with a woman I previously met, but we lost touch and whatever. We hung out for a few weeks, just having fun, partying, whatever, knowing that she was moving south. You probably ask, well, what the fuck that has to do with this, right? I guess you will have to wait and come back after a word from our sponsor to find out. Too many people to feed, no damn time to do it. Call Mr. J's Catering. 989-493-0440. Mr. J's Catering makes your party pop. Welcome back to Chillin' with Mr. J. So, girl I met moves to South Carolina, whatever, right? That's what I thought. Turns out we kept in contact with weekly calls. That's cool. Someone that kind of knows me to talk to, whatever. Turned into a couple holiday visits for her back to Michigan. Then talk of me just wanting to move to warmer weather because it was winter time and it was nice there while we were talking. To me actually moving to South Carolina. Why not, right? I worked in restaurants and they're all over. So it shouldn't be hard finding a job. So I said, I met Mr. This and that and that and wanted to be, let's move together. I thought I felt that then. Looking back, I don't think that was the case. I did not want to move to, with the girl. I moved because I thought I needed to get out of Michigan. This seemed like a golden opportunity to learn some down south cooking. Even if I didn't relocate permanently, it would be fun, different, and would definitely look good on a resume if I came back with the reference letter. Flying in and driving in, just feeling like I was about to get the change I needed. It was definitely going to change me all right. <laughs> so many restaurants, so many places, and lots of people. I didn't know where to start. It honestly felt like vacation, but honeymoon was quickly ending. I needed a job ASAP anyway. I found a friend of that friend I met down there to help make a resume. She was like a business professional or office professional or something. So she knew how to word a resume and make it sound a lot better than it really was. Add a few things, whatever, get a job. I knew if I could get an interview, I could talk myself into a job. I knew that much. I knew if I get a job, I would be able to move up quickly because I will just work harder and work more and just get more hours. Simple science there. I took resumes to every restaurant up and down the highway. I can't remember which highway it is, but it's in Bluffton, South Carolina, which is right off Hilton Head Island. Um, at this time, the town it was growing, booming, big town, like everywhere in the country with families and subdivisions for the families and schools and tons of restaurants and bars and shit. 
At first, I didn't get any calls or interviews, and I was like, man, I took resumes, applications all over. What's happening? I was getting a little worried, and the same friends tells me, are you talking to people there or just dropping it off? I said, I mean, I talk to who I drop it off to. I don't push the issue or whatever, usually a bartender or a hostess or a server or something. She says, you got to go back out and you got to talk to management and you got to make an impression. Sounds like work, but they'll remember you. You get an interview. And that's what you say you need. So this strategy does get me some interviews, but no jobs with any promising leads other than a few hours to start with shit money. I'm honestly not sure what now. So we're pretty much just drinking in the apartment complex. One day we're out and there's flyers on all the cars and it's a barbecue chain opening up a restaurant and they're advertising on the spot interviews. I needed money now, but figure what the hell man, new place, they need to hire a lot of people. I could at least get a job coming up soon, worst case. I show up at this thing to about, I don't know, probably 75 people lined up in front of a semi-truck box in the parking lot next to the newly built restaurant. I'm thinking, how the fuck can I make myself stand out in this situation? Waiting in line for a couple hours, all I could come up with was just be energetic, be myself, and just talk them into wanting you. Pretty simple, I guess. I don't know. They want to hire people. I want to seem like I want to work there. Seems like uh, it should work. Turns out being myself is just a cocky motherfucker that works harder than everybody just while constantly running my well. Go figure, right? When I got up there, I got to sit down with the GM and I just straight up told him, I will start wherever I need to get a job to become one of your most reliable assets. Whenever you feel this isn't the case, fire me on the spot. No lie, that's it. I was just sick of sitting there. He seemed like he was sick of sitting there and appreciated me not wasting his time. So, I mean, I was one of the last ones there. I showed up late, obviously, to be in line because I was hammered the night before. But for whatever reason, it worked out. And he instantly stuck my name on the big-ass board of pictures for back of the house and said, I guess we'll see. I think part of the reason they wanted to hire me was just because I was the only person that seemed like in line that wasn't from the South. And although I already never realized it myself, my accent was super funny to them. When we started, all the guys in the back of the house, whenever I showed up, would always be like, oh shit, here comes that Bapa from the North. <laughs> I don't know why they always call me Bapa. I still don't really know what the fuck it means. Um, it could mean cocky prick, asshole, white boy. I don't know what it means, but I'll never probably know now. We definitely do sound different. When you're the only one, you notice it. What's different also is our work ethics. I've had the management told me there, you just work harder coming from the North because in the South, it's just a more laid back atmosphere. You know what I mean? So a little hustle goes a long way. I started off literally just buttering bread for dinner service. There were so many people they hired to start. It was crazy. There's actually two people, they each had a flat top that just buttered bread because there's so many people coming into this restaurant. I guess that's just how you weed people out. You just hire a bunch and skim it off from there when you have capital to start with and you can do that, I guess. It was so simple, just buttering bread, that I would talk so much shit and keep tally of how much more bread I was buttering and grilling than everyone. Um, like I said, I guess it was just being my fucking arrogant self. <laughs> Manager finally came up and said, we have to shut you up, so we are going to move you to the fryer and you're going to do the cat fish to keep you busy. When I started doing the catfish on the fryer, it was a two-man team. Boom, 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 boom. I quickly showed them what I learned at Big Boy from fish fries in the one glove, on, off, two-handed, kind of wet, dry situation. And that quickly became a one-man show. I did it on my own. 
So that earned me getting promoted to the wood fire grill. Just starting your fires, keeping the fires going for burgers and chicken and shit like that all day. Super fun, entertaining, smelled like smoke, it was great. My confidence, like no other, had me just outperforming everyone there in a matter of months at this point. I moved from the bread guy now to the prime meat cutter. All the slicing, chopping, pulling, and portion control of all the smoky goodness was in my control. And that definitely led to more money and more hours. Yes, maybe I found where I belong. Meat cutter was a challenge for a few weeks. It was constant pressure, constant people, numbers going through your head, weights, techniques on all the different kind of meats, you know, to learn for a guy that's never done it. Once I got over the hump, I would constantly get yelled at for not using the scale. <laughs> I remember that, just trying to be quicker and do better and be better, always. That's my only goal as always, just try to be better. Even if you don't, you always try. I would always say, come weigh it, it's on, come on, come weigh it, you know. Whatever. It was always on weight, but they still always made me scale it. I felt that scaling it slowed me down. This is where my arrogant side of Mr. J's comes from. I felt like I could out-hustle anybody 12, 16-hour shifts like it was nothing. I was basically homeless and in constant harassment by previous, air quotes, roommate to get out of town. But like I said, that's a whole nother episode. So all I had was time, and the cost of living was so high, it was crazy. I eventually talked my way into getting into the pit to unload, load the smoker every morning at 5 a.m. because I was just reliable and could show up no matter what situation I was in the night before. It was fucking awesome, man. I was partying, working, learning. Felt like I was growing. Putting giant chunks of meat, half chickens, big old butts, ribs, sausages, fire. It was all amazing, really. It was where I started to learn how to really cook and also like love to do it. The pit was, was the top spot other than management. The whole process relied on you doing your job correctly. I was working all day, mostly every day, and learning so much. My home situation was not the best. I was living in hotels. That was very costly. So it was only a matter of time for something bad to happen. But work-wise, I was feeling good. I out-hustled and could just work longer without complaining than everybody. Such a huge factor in just learning the process behind actually cooking meat, not just like doing char burgers and deep frying shit. The restaurant was brand new and town was growing fast. Place was slamming at least five days a week, if not seven. I mean, crazy. Hundreds of chickens, hundreds of racks of ribs, even more pork butts, plus briskets, sausage, hams. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Thousands of pounds of meat daily. When I started in the pit, it was the pit boss, a morning, a swing, a night shift. So four guys. I was the AM guy because I showed up. Shit, sometimes I never left. I would just nap on the bench by the wood stack in the back. Not sure why. They loved me just for loving it. They didn't care what I did. Hot, humid, smoky. Fuck, it was awesome, man. It's weird, but I felt respected in the pit. Like the first time doing anything out of life. You know what I mean? It just was a top spot. All the meat for the whole place, thousands and thousands of dollars was in my hands. It was just, a, I just felt powerful, I guess. Weird, I know. It's the small victories in life. By the end of my run, it was just me, a manager that was new, the pit boss had to go open another restaurant, and the nighttime guy were left. So there was three of us. You know, once you prove that you'll work as hard as you possibly can, they're just going to do that to you. So I was, I just was there, man. It's crazy. I paid so much in taxes, I didn't even know about that at the time. Thought I was going to make a lot, and my checks weren't that much because there was so much overtime going away, but I needed to work. I needed to work. 
And the nighttime guy, he didn't know any English. And I obviously don't know shit for Spanish, except for like four numbers and some bad words that I still really don't even think I know. And that was a huge challenge, but I had, you know, I'm a friendly guy, so I make lots of friends joking around and I befriended a Spanish speaking prep cook. Um, and she was like our translator at shift change. Those prep cooks just worked all day. They were always there. So it worked out. My personal situation at the time was um, crazy to say the least. It was causing me a lot of stress, especially without nobody, none of my boys, none of my family, nobody I knew to help me handle some uneven situations, I guess. But like I said, probably a whole nother episode for that. Uh, maybe if Whatever, I don't really like talking about that. Sorry, back to topic. Like I said, working and making pretty good money, but still not good for there with the Hilton Head Island cost of living. I hung on as long as I could and I had learned more than ever and thought maybe this was it. It was impossible for me to work with everything going on. No place to stay and hotel living draining me to zero. I had to head home. It was sad, but felt bad things were coming if I stayed. Jim and Nick's understood I could not stay at that restaurant anyways. My personal life was coming into their restaurant, but they also did not want to lose me to the, in the company. So they offered me a job at a new store opening in Tennessee. Looking back, I should have said fuck it and went to Tennessee, but... There was a couple months until they needed me to start, and I just was uncomfortable. I don't know. The whole situation there, Just I, I really missed all my people at home. I just kind of up and left Michigan when I left, and it was just needed for me to do that. But it was also just time to go back home this time. So on that note, I want to thank you for hanging in there if you are still even listening to that nonsense. It's not the most exciting story, but it is mine. My intentions are to get a chance to talk to some people that have drive, but I still need to practice talking and talking about myself is something I'm comfortable with. So it works to extend these things a little bit. It turns out also that writing down and putting together words about my feelings in my past is very therapeutic. So worst case, when life picks up and parties hopefully continue to pop, I am at least refreshed and refocused on um, getting it. This was supposed to be just a 20-minute podcast, but turns out once I started thinking about my process of getting here, which is damn near 20 years, words just kept coming. So be sure to turn in to Idiot to Experienced Part 2. And as always, I appreciate you chilling with Mr. J. And until next time, peace, love, and sanity. Keep shooting. Damn it, that didn't even hit the fucking backboard. <coughs> this is the Mr. J Underground Podcast Network. Peace out. Ah, oh, step it faster, okay. <laughs> you want to catering? You ask better. Call me back, sucker.